Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Give me a C. C. Yeah. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three! Yeah! Yeah! Hello everyone, yet another draw and no goals to excite us has left some fans to question the manager. Danny is slowly coming to terms with Sam Hoskins' brace at Tranmere being a one-off and Neil has spent the last week wallowing in self-pity on the golf course. Welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me. We start this week with the Supporters' Trust. On Monday, Neil met with the Trust Chairman, Andy Roberts, to talk about the public meeting they are holding next month on the subject of community ownership of the football club. Yeah, we're holding a public meeting there to talk about community ownership, basically, um, to inform people about community ownership models in in football um, that have run in this country and to invite discussion about the potential of a community ownership model for for Northampton Town, whether there's something in the future that people may think may be a viable and a sustainable um, model to take the club forward. So the idea about looking at community ownership or I mean some people call it fan ownership there's not community ownership things, yeah 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 and I think that's probably where some of the confusion comes in isn't it but that's what I think when people mention fan ownership they panic, or, they panic. yeah they're good. they probably do they automatically think oh god you know yeah. supporters running a football club is that a good thing and um, that's not to denigrate football supporters yeah. who have you know who work in all different areas and have skills but I think realistically community ownership is possibly the best way of, of, of placing it because if you're going to come in to try and run a football club um, and I think someone someone said about the trust oh, they've only ever run car boot sales how do they think they're going to run a football club you know which is in, in a way that's a that's a fair comment in terms of what we've actually run yeah. as a trust I think in fairness the trust do a lot more behind the scenes but I think it's a fair comment because if you're going to run a football club you need professional people in to run a football yeah. club and while the trust have got you know, some very good people with very good skills. You know, I think we'd all be the first to admit on the trust board. We're probably not best equipped to have the skills to run a football club. And if we did get to that stage and, and this was a consideration, then we'd need to get people in to do it in a, in, in a proper way. But the whole conversation I expect about community ownership and looking at something a bit different for the cobblers, I think more than anything sort of arose last summer and the building frustration about the the lack of progress, if you like, on the on the, the land issues at Sixfields. And, and we all know in recent history, it's been very problematic. It's been quite embarrassing. And there are a lot of issues and, and the club and the council are trying to find their way way through it. But I think, you know, I think there was an expectation that when Kelvin Thomas and David Bauer came in three years ago, that we'd have an East Stand completed by now in some way, shape or form. So you met with Andy Neil. What are your thoughts then on community ownership now? 
I would say I wouldn't say I'm for it, and I, and I certainly wouldn't say I'm against it. I would say I am open-minded about it. Um, Andy was very good, um, and I know that the full interview will be coming at a later date, uh, which I'm sure you'll come on to, Charles. But I, I it, Andy, he made some really good points, and I think there was some initial when it was first announced and stuff. The terminology that, that perhaps was used by certain certain areas. Um, perhaps didn't explain it that much, and I think it's fair to say that the, the trusts are just approaching it from a, you know, look, let's look at this. It, it may be viable, it may not be viable, it it may not be a full fan ownership model. It might be some something of a hybrid, and I, and I think as fans of Northampton Town, I think we have a duty to to be open to that um, and, and not to to be closed closed off to, to anything and just think let's just stick with what we know so um yeah i think i'm more open-minded to it and and looking forward to the meeting actually do, do you think it's fair to say danny that maybe the the wording or the way that the statement was you know was written didn't really tell the full picture uh, of what the trust are trying to do yeah i think so i think it was um probably quite difficult to get it all into one statement, wasn't it? And I think I've listened to the full interview with Neil. Um, I think it's definitely worth worth listening to once once it does come out because it does explain it quite well, quite clearly. And I think I came away from listening to it with a lot more of an idea of what they mean and got a lot more kind of, I don't know, just, just a, lot, a lot clearer thoughts about what, what the kind of possible plan is. Um, and yeah, I think like Neil said, it would just be good to go to the meeting just to see, just to go in open-minded and see what happens and see what what um, what sort of options there are and see what other people's thoughts are. Um, just keeping open-minded about minded about it really, as, as we would with any potential takeover bid. The, the one thing which I found really, really interesting actually, well, I found it all interesting. But, uh, and Andy, by the way, just to, to shout out Andy Roberts, he's, uh, he's very good and he's very passionate, but he's um, also very, very level-headed. Um, which is great. So, but one of the key things I thought was interesting that he said was he, he did make a point of saying that you know the club's in a very stable position, um, and and I think that's quite interesting to hear, isn't it? Coming coming from the trust, certainly with some of the other comments that that individual members of the trust, which is just their own opinion, and everyone's entitled to it. But as as the chair of the trust, to to kind of say that you know the, the club's in a very stable position, and that, that's quite interesting. I found that really interesting. Yeah, for me, that that was my big question, if you like, for the trust was, you know, why now? Um, because for me, my opinion has has been, you know, for quite some time that we are actually pretty stable as a football club right now, financially. Um, we're paying the bills every month to everyone that has to be paid. We're paying the wages of all the staff and the players every month. So therefore, why was it decided that we would actually look for a different ownership option at this current time. But listening to the interview, and Andy gives a very good reason for doing it now, doesn't he, Neil? Yeah, he explains it perfectly. And I won't I won't go into great detail of how he explained it and what he said, because, you know, we want people to listen to the interview when it comes out, right? Um, but yeah, he does. I, and I agree. I think he explained it. And, and actually the explanation and the thought process behind it is, is exactly the right thing to be doing with an, exactly the right train of thought. Yeah, it's essentially about doing it now so that they're not rushing it 
when it really is needed, isn't it? And and that's essentially the reason for for going ahead with this public meeting at this time. Yeah, and I think they they feel, don't they, that you know, I think I think actually the terminology Andy used was it, you know it's a, it's almost a rainy day policy, um, and and I thought that was a good way of explaining it. You know, it's things are okay, things are stable at the moment, and now's probably a good time to look at it rather than you know waiting until we're got our buckets out again which you know inevitably will probably happen at some point with the club won't it you know we've been there numerous times before and I'm not saying that it will happen under the current owners and I don't think they, that would ever happen under the current owners but I think at some point in the future if we stick to the private ownership model it will probably happen at some point yeah and I think it's a good thing to do isn't it at the end of the day um the trust do get a bad rep and they have had a bad rep from us. We we will quite happily admit that all three of us, I think. And, you know, the opportunity, <laughs> the opportunity for, for us to actually meet with the chairman of the trust or, or at least Neil to meet with the chairman of the trust and to, and to really have a private or to really have a, a one-to-one conversation and ask the questions that we actually felt need asking, you know, I, I think was a really, really good thing for us. And, um, and, and and yeah and and it it is a case now of of you know we want to make sure that as as we are on on the podcast we want to make sure that that we aren't just sort of being unfair or being unjust in in our questioning of of anybody whether that is the supporters trust or the football club or um I don't know Gary on Twitter. You know we don't want to well, be unfair on, completely not. to everyone. We want to give everyone a, a chance to say say their piece, don't we? We're not we're not giving Gary a free ride. No, but no uh, we're also Gary's it, Gary is in for it. <laughs> but we're also not giving the trust or the football club a free ride, and that's important for us to say. I think at this moment in time. Um, yeah, I, I I think you're right, and I think I think that's absolutely right. Actually, I think you know we we are, this is an opinionated podcast, and we'll we'll criticise where we we see it's right to criticise. Be that the club, the players, the trust, the fans, ourselves, whoever it may be. But equally, you know, we'll praise where we think it's due and stuff. And obviously, we're in a position where you know we've had a chance to speak to the club, we've had a chance to speak to the trust. So you know, we've got that information to help us form our decisions. Whereas previously, perhaps when we, like you said, Charles, perhaps when we were, we sent a bit of flack, the trust's way, um, we weren't educated enough about it and we didn't have enough information. We now have that information and we're in a better position to, to be able to understand what they're trying to do. Yeah, definitely. So we're, we are going to urge people to go to the public meeting, um, to actually go and hear those views for themselves, find out what it is that the trust are actually thinking about doing. Um, important to reiterate that at this moment in time, this is literally just a, a discussion. This is not a, we are going to go and move forward and try and buy the club or try and actually take over the club in any way, shape or form. This is just a discussion about the different options that are out there from you know and and hear from people that have been involved at other clubs like for instance Newport, Wickham, Accrington, Portsmouth clubs that come to mind that have been fan owned or are fan owned at this current time um so you can hear the whole of that interview with Andy Roberts when it's released that's going to be on Monday the 4th of March so the week leading up to the meeting that is on the 10th of March and it's where where is the meeting again Neil it's at the park inn 
um, in in the town centre, just just around the corner from the the new bus station, uh, which is a shambles, isn't it? The new bus station, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I took the park in, and Andy Andy promised me. I think it's a three hour meeting they've got. I think it starts at one o'clock, and um, and I I made him promise that there'd be refreshment breaks because I'd struggle to sit still for three hours. On to the Crawley match then, and let's remind ourselves of what happened at the PTS Academy Stadium on Saturday. Do we have to? We've kicked off here. We're into the first few seconds here at Sixfields. Cobbers against Crawley. Oh, there goes the final whistle. And booze around Sixfields as the Cobbers once again miss out at home. An uneventful weekend of football, to say the least, then, for the Cobblers, with a nil-nil board draw. Danny, you were there, unfortunately. What were your thoughts? I was there. Well, was it booze at the end, or was it just a collective yawn from everyone? Because I'm not completely sure. What were you doing? Um, Were you booing or yawning? I think I was borning, which, as you know, Charles, is a combination of the two. Um, Jason Borning was um no i didn't boo um i did yawn quite a few times um i think crawley came for a point set up sharp and got what they wanted didn't they they typical well maybe not typical but the archetypal which is probably the same thing um league two side that sits in waits for you to come at them but we just didn't have anything to go at them with and yeah it was a, it was a boring afternoon i went to see the lego movie before the lego movie too that was better well that, that's expected. It's a huge franchise, Danny. Out of, in, out of interest, Danny, did you have any snacks at the cinema? Did I have any snacks at the cinema? Um, did I have any snacks at the cinema? I don't think I did, actually. No, why? I'm oh, just curious. No, no reason. I'd, I'd probably rather talk about <laughs> oh, no. I'd rather talk about your trip to the cinema than the game. I had a bag of Quavers, actually, thinking about it, because it was lunchtime when we went. Well, that was your, that was your lunch. <laughs> Yes, because I had a Kit Kat when I got to Sixfields for seven pounds. <laughs> now, so now, Danny, it's, it's not the Emirates. Calm down. In more ways than one. Um, <laughs> I will. I will say the back four or back five did have a, a bit of a solid afternoon, didn't they? That I think the club were quite savvy at who they sent out for the post-match interviews. Um, you could tell they were sending. Whether they sent out Buck, uh, Buchanan, and Taylor, didn't they? I think the defence and Dykorn and Engel were probably the only ones to come away with any sort of credit from the game. Um, I like the look of Good. He put in a good shift at right back. Um, but apart from that, we were just anything going forward just didn't look like we were going to score all afternoon. Um, and again, a few tactical things that I think Carl didn't get right. There was substitutions again late on, just too late to have any impact. I think if you, if you, we we kind of set out by winning a few set pieces and looking quite threatening. So I think I think the the tactic was to try and win a few set pieces. And if you're going to play like that, you don't play Hoskins up front on his own. He was just ploughing that lonely furrow all afternoon. And you think, would, would Williams have been better off up front? Would Marias have held it up a bit more? I don't know. But the substitutions was just far too late to have any impact. And it's happened a few times in the curl. I think he's got to sort that out. I, the one question that I want to know, Danny, is were you one of the hundreds of people that believed that young Joe Powell had scored that free kick? 
I was not because I was on the goal line, so I was I was at the right end to see it fly over. Um, but I think it was the other half of the West Stand that missed it or thought it had gone in. I think Tim Oglethorpe probably thought it had gone in on the radio as well. He did. Um, so the, the uh, 22 Crawley fans had a good laugh at the, that side of the West Stand for thinking that was in. That was probably the highlight, wasn't it? Yeah, any good, pretty much good attempt at goal. Ash Taylor had a header that was close. Did he have a 45-yard attempt this week? He didn't. He didn't this week. I thought Ash Taylor oh. had quite a good game, actually. What? Um, Ash, letting us yeah. down. Letting us down. No 45-yarder <laughs> attempt and had a good game? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's completely out of character. But I think, yeah, I think um, him and Pierre were quite solid in the in the back, too. I thought, I thought we were quite rightly jump on Ash Taylor for some of his mistakes. But I think he had a reasonable game on Saturday, as did the whole defence, like, like I said. Um, I enjoyed David Buchanan. Ash Taylor couldn't help himself though, could he, in his post-match interview? What and he had a, he had a little moan about the booing, didn't he? Yeah, well, he, he thought we played well. Well, that's because he's an idiot. <laughs> and I, I think that's stretching it a lot because by that he probably means the back four played well, which they did. But we didn't play well as a team. Like the, the going forward, we didn't play well, and that was a little bit of a stretch, I'd say. Could you not say that that the team played well as a defensive unit? Yes, we lacked we lacked the creativity to actually score. What? So yes. therefore, so I therefore going forward, we weren't good enough. But we we did get a we did get a not only did we get a point, so that's more than if we'd lost. But also we did get a clean sheet, which at least gives us a, a, a backbone to build on. I think we're stretching as much as us, Taylor. There, we need to win that game. That game, really, I think. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous, Charles. Um, yes, we got a point. Yes, we got a clean sheet. But should we be happy with that at home to, to Crawley, who, uh, let's be honest, they're not not particularly good? Um, no, we shouldn't be happy with that. And, and it, it's, it's really frustrating me at the moment is Keith Curl saying, he said in his post-match interview, didn't he, that you know we need more creativity and we need to be cleverer going forward and stuff. Oh, well, hold on a minute, Keith. Look, we had Jack Bridge... Played, played in the number 10 role or, or certainly played central for those two games and he was brilliant. Created loads of stuff, linked play really well. Since, ever since then, he's never played there. It's, it, it's really annoying me. And uh, that's the question, isn't it? Like, Are Joe Powell and Timmy Elsnick any better than what we've got? No. I don't, no, I don't think they are. And like, I kind of get the reasoning behind the Elsnick ones he's played in this league before, but to me, the first time I've seen him play, it just didn't look anything like what we've got and it's like why why again why are we developing other teams players if we if we if we can just if we've got players of our own that can play there and did a good job there and it's frustrating isn't it I'd, I'd much rather have Jack Bridge in in uh, a role that Joe Powell would be in mm. I, I, we're still yeah we're, we're still um, really lacking the players I think Cole's got a plan you can kind of see the formings of a plan, but he hasn't got the players to do it. Yeah, but then, you know, especially. I kind of think that's partly his fault a little bit. Because, um, you know, he's got... Yeah, it's the most frustrating thing I, I find when watching football and, and especially when watching Cobblers, uh, when I just can't work out what a manager, what's behind a manager's, manager's decision. And, and I can't work out what's behind Jack Bridge not being central after he, he had those couple of great games, linking play and creating stuff. I just can't work out sticking him at wing-back. I don't get it. And yes, maybe we're short at wing-back, but 
But I mean, don't stick your most creative player there. The only thing I can think of is, is is trying people in different positions again. Like he was, like uh, we had a chat with him last week, and he's kind of figuring that this season's more to test players out and to try people out in different positions. But and while that's all well and good, it just it doesn't make for good viewing, does it? Well, no, but it doesn't. And I think I, I kind of understand the testing people's positions and stuff. But, I mean, he's had a fair few games to do that now, and I, I think once you find something that works, stick with it. That's that's. He's, he's obviously, obviously always talks about his jigsaws and that's the pieces of the that's surely a piece of the jigsaw. Right, great, we found a creative central player, Jack Bridge, who can give him a, a, a run of games in that position and see if he can do it consistently. And away we go. And it's it's frustrating. It's and I don't th- it galls me when when he it really annoyed me when he came out and said about lacking the creativity stuff when when you, he's the one affecting that. I suppose you don't take a bit out of the middle of your puzzle. When you found the right place, and stick it on the edge, do you? No, or do you? I don't. Know. I don't know. I've never seen you make a puzzle. No. That, well, I, I'm basically like a gorilla. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you don't do you? It's um, it's just frustrating, and I think that, because I actually think there is the there's, there's creative players in the squad, and there's there's certainly people that there's there's attacking players in the squad. There's like there's Gina Marias and Andy Williams that are on the bench, and you know. Oh, playing one at home. He he doesn't. He, Keith Curl just doesn't seem to fancy either of those players, though, does he? You know, you look at how long it took him to actually make a change up front in the game. Now, yes, his argument is that, well, you know, what if I throw those, you know, go more attacking for the last fifteen minutes and then we lose because I've weakened the defensive side of the team? Then I'll be getting, you know, shouted at by us for for having done that. And the fact is, is that he decided to make the changes later on, um, you know, and, and we, we ended up coming away with a point and we're still moaning about it. You know, it's almost like he can't win. Wait, can't. <laughs> I would moan. I think I'd moan a lot less if he'd gone yeah, for it. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think it's, it's that kind of that kind of thing as if, like, like again, where, where are we in the league? We're 16. Why don't we just like it's the difference between a point and no points and trying to go for it and trying to make something, create something. If we get caught on the break and lose, fair enough, we've lost a point. We probably moan a little bit, but personally, I would moan at him less for doing that than what we saw because it's just there was nothing to it. I, I, my view is that the, I kind of I can understand his reasoning a little bit when, you know, there's 15 minutes left, we've already got a point secured pretty much and not wanting to risk it. I can kind of understand that reasoning slightly. What I can't necessarily understand is setting up on the face of it for a point when you're at home against Crawley. Um, and that, and that is not to say, you know, we're bigger than Crawley or we are bigger than Crawley. And so it is to say that actually, yeah, we're bigger than Crawley and we're better than Crawley and we should be beating Crawley. So, um, but the old age, you know, oh, well, every game is a difficult game, no matter who you're playing, et cetera, et cetera. I get that. But at least have a go from the start. We're at home, you know. Fans want to not necessarily want to be entertained or at least see the team, you know, with some attacking intent, attacking intent excuse me. And and if you don't see that, it's a slippery slope, isn't it? We we know that. We, we've been there as well with, with Boothroyd. He was lucky for a period of time, wasn't he, with, with some success. But as soon as that success dwindled, fans soon turned against him because of the style of football and that will happen again. I want, I want to just 
go at it from a slightly different angle here. Um, Crawley definitely went turned up on Saturday wanting to get a nil-nil draw. So Crawley essentially won because they got exactly what they came for. Um, but that obviously makes it a lot harder for the home team on that on this situation ourselves to break them down. You know, they were very, very structured in the way that they played and, and they essentially just wanted to not concede and they weren't bothered about attacking themselves too much. So... Yes, it puts the onus on the home team to try and break them down, but we aren't actually that good, I don't think. You know, we've proved that How dare the you, whole Charles? season and last year. <laughs> but, but we have, haven't we? The whole of last season, or at least half of last season, and then the all of this season, we aren't that good. We aren't good enough to go and actually break a team down that decides to basically sit 11 men behind the ball and just says, we're going to form this wall and you've got to try and break your way through it. We're we're not good enough for that. We don't have enough creativity, especially when we're not playing players that are creative out on, you know, as as a left wing back. It just doesn't work. And the point that I want to sort of make is to look at it from, you know, that side of things where Crawley made it made it too difficult for us to actually play what we wanted to do, uh, what, how, the way we wanted to play, and to get any more out of that game. I think, uh, it, yeah, I, I think it it wouldn't have been as difficult if we hadn't just had Sam Hoskins up front on his own, I think, maybe. Just just a thought, maybe, if we'd have started at home with Andy Williams and, and Marias up front, we might have had more of a chance of creating stuff and breaking them down. There's a, there's a thought, Charles. <laughs> That's a good thought, Neil. I enjoyed that, and I agree with you partly. But I think it comes down to if it's again the the game plan and the substitutions of when the first thing doesn't work, you you haven't broken them down for fifty five, sixty, sixty five minutes. You make a change, right? Yeah, and you don't leave it till ten minutes to go or three minutes to go in the terms of Marias uh, coming on, which he was getting properly wound up on the sidelines. I think by not coming on, he was just kind of stood by the corner flag in the end. Not you know, even warming up. Um, I think he's just, he's just he's just left it too late, and we've seen it a few times from him that I don't think you can excuse it by saying Crawley set up to play when we don't try to change the game early enough. To I think uh, I, I think the only saving the only thing which saves any of that and any of this this approach is that we kind of know we need to limp through to the end of the season, don't we? And then regroup in the summer and stuff. That's the only saving grace. And that looks like kind of what, what Keith Curl's attempting to do, really, isn't it? Just sort of drag us over the line and then and overhaul things in the summer again and, and go from there. But, I mean, there is a concern from... So I certainly have a concern about his attacking intent and his style of football at the moment. I'd, I'd like to see... I'd like to see us starting to get a bit of an identity and I still don't entirely know what that is under Keith Curl, apart from 3-5-2. Yeah, I, fair, yeah that, that's a fair point, I think. One of the things that I actually found surprising to this afternoon when I was doing the prep for the podcast, um, I looked at the league table and I was actually genuinely surprised about how far away we are from moving any higher up this league. We're seven points away from Newport, who are one place above us. Now, when you think back 
two, three weeks ago. And we were, I mean, I know we were taking the mick out of Tim Oglethorpe for constantly going on about making the playoffs. But at that point, it was a case of we were 10 points away from making the playoffs. We're now seven points off just moving up to 15th. Best of the rest. We're not going to, well, yeah, (laughs) isn't it? But we're not going to actually move up any further in the league table for at least another, what, three or four weeks? And that depends on us going on a winning spree and, uh, at the very least, Newport not winning another game while we're winning them. Out of interest, Charles, how many points off the playoffs are we? <laughs> 13, I think. We how were. many games left? Not enough. Do it. <laughs> I love that we love that we think of the permutations for fifteenth place. <laughs> my my point is with Can it. We catch Newport. That's the that's the narrative. My point the is with it, Danny. Is that that is so disappointing because actually from fifteenth upwards, there's very little in terms of points difference between each of the teams. I mean, Newport were in the playoffs just before Christmas and, and they've tumbled right the way down into the bottom half of the, uh, of the league. Been on a cut run though, haven't they? Yeah, well, they have, haven't they? They've had other things that and, and, and things that have made them a bit richer and able to afford to pay their rent and things, which is brilliant for them. Um, but it just shows you how 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 awful this league actually is and yet, we're we're not even one of the the top fifteen sides in it. We uh, well, it brings us back to your earlier point, Charles, doesn't it? We're not very good. The annoying thing is, what well, we thirteen points off? Did you say thirteen off the playoffs, Danny? Playoff. It's, the charge is still on. We've drawn fifteen games. Is that right as well? Yes. Right? Yeah, fifteen. So yeah. If we turn seven of them draws into wins, we're there, which is annoying. It's and very annoying, isn't it? 50. It is annoying, but and also how many of those games that we've drawn could we have realistically won? Well, Saturday for starters. Well, all of them, in fact. <laughs> Lincoln, they were down to 10 men. In theory, if we'd have gone for it and been a bit ballsier, probably could have won. Welcome. We should have won. Yeah, there you go. We're proving you wrong straight away, Charles. No, no, I, I, I'm not asking to be proved right or wrong. I'm, I'm just asking the question, how many of those could we realistically have won? I'm not saying that we, could have uh, realistically that, that we couldn't have. <laughs> they were draws, weren't they? They were draws. Surely we could realistically yeah. win all of them. All of them. I mean, I think it feels to me like you're against us making a late playoff charge, Charles. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> I am. A little bit mean-spirited there, Charles, I think. Very mean-spirited, very mean-spirited. I think you're right, though. It's uh, 15 draws is ridiculous, isn't it? I was just... <laughs> I was just thinking about that's a court. That's a, that's what a third of the fixtures. <laughs> we haven't even finished yet. No, <laughs> we're near finishing. It could well end up at twenty. It could, yeah, it could. It could almost be half of our games we've drawn. Danny, right now, I want you to actually find out what the record number of draws in a league season it is. I'm going to find out. See if you can find out for the actual league, so for the whole structure, and and then just see if if there is a way of doing it. We might have to. I don't know maybe email Cobblers Past and and ask Ethan Grand. Uh, you know, what is the record the number of games that Northampton have ever drawn in one single season? I thought you were going to suggest we might have to get in touch with Keith Curl and tell him we're getting close to a record. Keep drawing. <laughs> Let's get something out of the season. <laughs> something, yeah. Something to celebrate at the end of the season awards. Yeah. yeah. So, most draws in a season. 23 joint record. Not far off. And who holds that record at the moment, Danny? So, we've got joint Norwich, 42 games. 
uh, Exeter from 46 games, Hartlepool from 46 games, and Cardiff City. Uh, and that Cardiff one was 97-98, the year after they lost to us. So, eight to go. so this eight to take the record. Eight to take the record. And how many games have left in the season? 14, uh, 13. 13. Well, that's doable, I think, it's boys. It's on. We have a pitching match if on. we do it. If we, if, we, if we do it on the last day of the season, I am on the pitch. Can we? Can we? Do, do you remember the song we all sang during the promotion season, the first few games of the, the League One season subsequently? Yeah. About being undefeated. Maybe, maybe we could change the lyrics to that song to just be something about the most draws ever or something. I don't know. I like it. I'd love if we did an open top bus with teams looking really sheepish on top. Draw, <laughs> draw specialist 2019. 15 draws. That's, that's, I'll tell you what, that's blowing my mind. It wouldn't be too bad, I don't think, if they were all like high scoring, like three or four or something like that. But if the majority of them were like nil nil, then imagine that you'd be throwing your season ticket at the bin, wouldn't you, forevermore if that had ever happened? It's such you. a, it's what it's, it, we said this, I think, on an, an earlier podcast that it's, it's, it's a very mid to low table season, isn't it? it it's unlikely that we're going to get dragged into the relegation fight because we're still 10 points clear which is a, a large amount. If we're, if we're saying there's no chance of the playoffs and that's 13 points away, then there's, there's no chance of getting relegated. That's 10 points away. I know it's a slightly different kettle of fish because we're not winning many games, but it's there's probably enough points between us that we'll be safe. So it's it's that almost season of nothingness and, and none of us as fans, because we don't really have that with Cobblers, we don't really know how to act, do we? No, it's always either a promotion season or a, a relegation season isn't it with Northampton it's always been like that since I've been supporting them I think I'm Chris Freestone and it's all cobblers to me Uh, right it's time to take a look at what you've been sending to us this week in Neil's post bag Neil 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 post bag time Good stuff. So we, we flipped it around this week, didn't we, boys? And uh, I'd like to say it was because of a genius idea that one of us had. However, it was because we, we left asking a question too late and panicked and figured that we would ask Twitter and Facebook to send us questions that we could answer on, on this very podcast right now. Uh, we've had some good responses. So I'll, I'll put the first one to you, boys. Are you Go ready? On. Yes, ready. This is from Jefferson Lake, uh, Sky Sports wrestling correspondent, chief wrestling correspondent, I believe. Only um, if, uh, well, you know, <laughs> it's a minority sport. Um, if you could put any player from the past 10 years into the current side, who would it be? Oh, past 10 years. We're we looking at 2008, 2009. Yeah. Uh, obvious one is Ricky Holmes. Um, just because that's what I thought when I saw when I saw the question I thought that's the yeah. obvious one isn't yeah. it but, but it also makes a lot of sense with the, I, I, I kind of trying to think of it you can think of quite a few defensive defenders you'd put in but I think the way we're playing at the minute I'd just like a little bit of injection of some rickiness into it <laughs> nice <laughs> injection nice. that is a word Charles um well, for me, I kind of look at it and go, you're right, Danny, there, there are obvious ones that you could go with. Uh, Ricky being one of the top contenders of most obvious answer to this question, I think. You've also got an obvious answer in Bayo. You know, Keith has talked about having a, uh, a 
a target man up front. Um, and, you know, he would he would fit the bill of that if uh, if we could bring him, you know, the, I, I'd say the sort of 2009, 2010 sort of Bayo into this team, then I think that would work really well. Um, Can I just say, I would bring the 2018-19 Bayo into the squad as well, and I wouldn't I would be fine with it. um we we were thinking about this before the podcast weren't we Danny and um to be honest I I, I've kind of struggled a little bit these last 10 years haven't exactly been brilliant have they apart from that one one season um and, and I kind of don't want to bring one of those players into this team because it would it would almost mar the the work that they did and the results that they garnered for that season by bringing them into this team. Um, I feel like you're taking this question too seriously. I am taking it fast. Just choose to slow Charles and get on with it. <laughs> into the team. Um, uh, do you know, I'm stalling for time because I can't think of anyone half decent. Pick someone, man. Uh, Clive Platt. <laughs> Super Clive Platt. Get him in. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> um, I, I would like to. I've got two choices. My first choice, which is my my silly choice, is Hildeberto Pereira. Nice. Um, just because think of the fun. At least it's going to be a bit of fun, and it's very boring at the minute, isn't it? So get him in. Um, also, my my second choice, which I've just realised, actually falls out of the 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 question from from Jeff because uh, he said ten years, and I was going to pick Ian Taylor. Um, who ended his career in 2007. So it's just outside, isn't it? That would have been a good choice. However, I'm going Ian Taylor anyway, uh, our podcast. So our rules, <laughs> Ian Taylor. <laughs> nice one. What's next, Neil? Uh, next up, we've got Ed. Ed on Twitter. He he questions whether we should have something named after Chris Wilder. Uh, he says, just in recognition of what he did for the club, he kept us up in the Football League, uh, was largely responsible for saving the club and then, and then absolutely smashing through League Two. Um, what do we think to that? The East End. I mean, I feel that's doing Chris Wilder a disservice. <laughs> no, when it's rebuilt, obviously. The, the Chris Wilder stuff. Oh, right. <laughs> you look at how long it took us to, to give Graham Carr something at the club. You know, we're, we're talking nearly 30 years before Graham Carr actually got the, the bar named after him. Um, so it'll probably take at least another 25 years for, for Chris Wilder to be recognised. By the football club, I'd imagine. Um, I, I, I can see him having the North Gravel car park named after him. <laughs> the Chris exciting, exciting because 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 it. And the reason for that is because you know we just rented out to the circus every now and again, and uh, Chris Wilder would would have a field day and a good old rant about it. Wouldn't it be better to name it after Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank if the circus is going to be? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, um, I, I think it's one of those things. I think it should happen at some point. Definitely, um, I think it's probably one of those things that you, you sort of would you do it sort of on a an anniversary of that year almost. So whether it's after ten years, you know, ten years remembering that great season or whatever, and then make something after him. But yeah, I think it's a good shout, isn't it? I think if maybe if the once he stands done, if there's a you know a, a conference space in there or if there's you know a bar a new bar in there or whatever it could be the Chris Wilder well I was actually thinking on a serious note here guys was that when when we get the East End finished and if it does include um executive boxes 
um, then I do think that the boxes should be named after players or managers of the club from years gone by that that are like legend have legendary status. So you would have you know a Chris Wilder box, that's or, a good idea, that know, is. A, an Ian Sampson suite or something like that. You know, and I think that's you know, the way that they, they should go. The Dean Pier the corridor. <laughs> the Dean Pier <laughs> corridor of uncertainty. <laughs> What's that? The embodiment of that, I think. <laughs> but I, I, I actually think that is the way that the club should go. And I, I do think they should name the boxes after, you know, people from the club's past. You know, Herbert Chapman would be one of them, probably. Uh, I mean, Dave Bowen's already got the North stand, hasn't he? But, you know, things like that, that you would just, you know, stick a person's name on and, and therefore people would then – I never you never know with the way that marketing works. You know, businesses might or people, individual people might pay a bit more to have the Chris Wilder box compared to the, I don't know, Ian Atkins box. You don't know, you know, a bit more of a charismatic person, Chris Wilder, than Ian Atkins maybe. Ooh, so uh, pay, pay an extra 50 quid for it. I don't know. Might work. Would Ian Atkins box just be painted black? <laughs> really uncomfortable. No heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those uh, reusable heaters. That... You'd you'd walk you'd walk in the door and instantly be faced with a hill for you to run up, and there'll be a cone a cone at the top for you to run back down. <laughs> uh, next question. So Simon on Twitter, um, he's taking his girlfriend to her first cobbler's game this weekend, and wants to know if we have any advice. Go to the cinema instead. I would say join Tinder because you are about to be girlfriendless after Saturday. <laughs> That's positive, boys. Well done. Very positive. <laughs> to be fair, if he if he's taking his girlfriend to Stevenage, then I mean, wow, happy Valentine's love. I'll <laughs> <laughs> have you know, Charles, I took my partner to Shrewsbury away on her birthday. So yeah, but Polly kinda likes <laughs> the football. Yeah, that's I took, true. Uh, she likes first me. time I took Martha to a game, she donned the shirt and she was getting really excited, but she took a book with her. And she sat there and she <laughs> reading a book. I think it was Twilight or something through the whole game. <laughs> the first game that I took Nick to um, years and years ago, we were talking about 10 years ago, she got really annoyed with me because I kept swearing so much, <laughs> and mainly at the referee. She didn't like me that much after that. Still with her. I think, <laughs> I think my best advice for Simon is to distract his girlfriend as much as possible and talk to her, constantly talk to her, you know, show her things on his phone, interesting news stories, etc., and just keep her mind away from what's going on on the pitch. And she'll probably be more inclined to come back again, I think. So that, that's uh, a discussion for Simon. Let us know how it goes, Simon, um, with, with your partner. Sorry, I don't know. Don't know the girlfriend's name, but yeah, let us know how it goes after. And, and maybe we can get her on the podcast. She'll get her on the podcast next week. Yeah, let's let's find out what minute of the game she decided to leave him. Yeah, yes. <laughs> a blind date when he's come um, back and tell you all about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll find out her thoughts, her first experience of cobblers, and uh, we'll get the get the feedback. Uh, Gary, uh, long long time listener, Gary on Twitter wants to know if we've ever had a cobblers player in our house. No, 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 nor I, uh, or have I? <laughs> Have I had a cobbler's player in my house? No. The inflatable versions don't count, Neil. Ah, uh, right. Well, I mean, I thought you were talking about your Sammy Hoskins inflatable doll you've got. Um, 
No, I haven't had a cobblerflower in my house. I've played football uh, down the bottom park in Brixworth with Liam Dolman. Um, that doesn't count, I guess, because the bottom park wasn't my house. So mm. closest I came was g- going to the Ali Gibbs Soccer School when I was a wee nipper, but that wasn't in my house either. No, I, I think the closest I probably came was I, I went to school with Luke Chambers and Chris Carruthers. Chris was the year above and Luke was the year below me, I think. Or maybe Luke was a couple of years below me, actually, thinking about it. But that was neither of them were, uh, you know, I wouldn't have said that either of them were friends. They just went to the same school. So, no, neither of them ever came round to my house or anything. So, no Cobblers players in our house, which is... Which is uh, well, that one's just, done, isn't it? So let's move on. Why Gary's asking that question? Has he had one in his house? Or yeah, we've heard we've we, we've heard the story about him and another cobbler's. That was in the hot tub, though, wasn't it? That, was... that, no, that wasn't in the house. That was that, that was, was in the sauna or something. Yeah, I was going to say oh, it was okay. in the sauna, wasn't it? So let us know, Gary, how, how many players you've had round to your house and what happened. We'd be interested to know. Um, Andy on Twitter asks, "What is or who, in our opinion, is the best striker in the Sixfields era?" Oh. Yeah. In the Sixfields era, I, I suppose really you've got to go with Scott McLeish. Have you? Well, how, how many how many times? I think he was probably the the only player that managed to get over twenty league twenty league goals in a single season more than once. But I mean, is he the best striker in the Sixfields era? Well, I think if you just judging by that one stat of how many goals he scored, yeah. Jamie Forrester. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not having a go at anybody else here. Jamie Forrester was a great striker, but um, he, he didn't score as many goals as Scott McLeish. Neil Grayson didn't score as many goals as Scott McLeish. Bayo too big to play football. <laughs> um, if it's if, if you're talking favourite striker, Larry, but best striker, I think I'm edging towards your choice here, Charles. In terms of goal return and like co- consistent goals, then I think Scott McLeish gets it. Forrester probably close second, but Larry's my favourite by a long shot. I'm not having this nonsense. Go on then, Neil. Powell Huberts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Uh, hold on, Eric Sabin. I mean, yeah, is it's more of a yeah out not an out and out striker or on point down. David Steele. David Till, good, good shout on David Till, yeah. Friend of the podcast, Chris Freestone. Yeah, Chris Freestone even. Chris Freestone was was my favourite striker when I was growing up, definitely. Marco Gabbiadini. Great striker. But, but having said that, he was a great striker for the clubs that he was at previous to us, I think. More yeah, than he was fair. with us. Fair point. All right, my, I'm going, I'm sticking with... I'm sticking with Jamie Forrester for me. He was my favourite. It's not not yeah. it's not about favourites, O'Neill. The question was who was the best striker? The best <laughs> striker is the one that scored the most goals, and that was Scott McLeish. Is it though? It, it, yes. Is it the one that scored the most goals? Yes. A good striker can also be someone that scores goals and links the play and brings other players. Bayo basically was responsible for Ryan Gilligan having a great scoring season. <laughs> you, you're not wrong, to be fair. You're not wrong. <laughs> so I'm going Bayo. <laughs> okay next question Neil oh, it's similar ilk actually uh, from Andy he asked us also who is the best right wing back well actually he actually to be fair to Andy he actually wrote who is our best right wing oh I get it he spelled R wrong who is our best right wing back 
What, right at now? The, at the moment? Or? Yeah, at the moment. Oh, don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Billy, Billy Waters, and he's not even here. Kevin's <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Uh, don't know. We're moving on from that. Uh, ridiculous question, Andy. You've Keep had your uh, Steve. Colin West. <laughs> order! Order! <laughs> the Colin order. West suite. Order! <laughs> uh, Steve on Twitter. Uh, as Christian Lee didn't turn out to be our first £1 million player, do you think any of the current crop could be the first? You know what? That's a great question. I love it's it, but the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is definitely no. Uh, but I do remember that being said about Christian Lee and believing it at the time. Is he an <laughs> To be fair, we were all quite young at the time, so we, we would have believed anything. That's he it. almost scored at Wembley, didn't he, Christian Lee? He did, he didn't did. he? Yeah. yeah. Little flick header. And I was, that was, must have been the first game, wasn't it? I'm just going to Google Christian Lee, actually, because... What happened to him? Some, well, also what happened to him, but something in my head. Um, Chris, the Christian Lee steps. He does, <laughs> like, he does look a bit like Ash Taylor. It's just, just the hair. Yeah, just thought, actually. And I, that's what I was just thinking about. Like a, a skinny <laughs> Ash Taylor. <laughs> on, a, on a serious note, though, considering, no, definitely, I don't think any one of our current crop would make it to being our first million pound player. But I, I don't. The only, the potentially, maybe there might be someone in the in the youth team, maybe like, you know, if Jay Williams was to continue on the curve he's on, you know, and moves on to bigger and better things. I, I think it's, I don't think any of them would leave us for a million pounds. No, I don't either. And I think, and I said this to Danny earlier was that I think Jay Williams is the person that would get closest to breaking our, you know, record transfer fee received if we can hold on to him for long enough. But that, that's a big if, you know, you've, you're talking about getting him to the point where maybe he's in his prime or at least coming into his prime. So maybe around about 24 years old um, and then selling him at that point for, I don't know, half a million. I, you know, that's the only way I can possibly see it happening. And to actually keep hold of a player for that long in this day and age, it's very unlikely. Yeah, I don't, I don't think any of them are... Uh, I don't think any of them are going to, yeah, yeah, you're right, Charles. Of course, we'll be really surprised when Sam Hoskins leaves for like £750,000 in the summer, but until that happens... Danny would buy, Danny's going to win the lottery and then buy Sam Hoskins. (laughs) Start my own team. Come and and do some shooting practice. The the Sam Hoskins shower block. (laughs) Uh, We have got a few more questions on on Twitter. Um, a couple of questions, actually, of when when was our first Cobblers game? Well, I, I, I think, and I, I don't know whether this definitely was my first one, but it's the first one that I remember, I, and we played Chester City at Sixfields. 95, maybe? And, uh, yeah, I th- I, we, we won 5-0, I think. I think I remember that. That's the first one I remember. I think I'd been to ones previously, though. Danny? I think my first game was at the county ground. I think it was a friendly. We played a Spurs at 11. So it must have been the summertime. It was around about 92, 93. Three old draw, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, just, just towards the end of the county ground days. You guys had a much better first game experience than I had. Um, mine was, it was at the county ground as well, and it was against Gillingham. Uh, and it was a very, very, very boring 0-0 draw. 
but for some reason, yeah, set yourself up. <laughs> yeah, some reason. Of course, if 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 you want to find out more about the three of us, you could visit our brand new website, cobblerstome.com. Go and have a look. There's a, an about me section that talks all about the three of us. It's great. Nicely done. Right, we'll move on from there. We've got um question about kits. What's been our best kit and worst kits we've had? Right, worst kit, easy. Ready? 98.99. Is that the, the Pro Star Star one? The Pro Star Fading Star thing that we wore. That was awful. What was that? 98.99? 98.99, the year we beat West Ham. Was it home or away? Home kit. The away kit was the white oh, one know, with yeah, like yeah. the star yeah, and claret yeah. strip through the middle. I don't know. Lime green is going to go a long way. But I don't mind that so much. I mean, it's they're not they're not like the the crazy away kits. I don't mind so much because they are just an away kit, and you're going to get some bad ones here or there. But and, that, they're, and they're for a purpose as well, aren't they? I mean that that lime green kit you're talking about was the third strip. It, you know, the only reason you have a third strip in this level of football is if both your home and away kits are going to clash against another opponent at some point down the line in the season. The question was, what's the best and worst kit? It didn't say home kit. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. Best kit. Best kit. Come on. Lotto. Lotto, yeah. It has to be. The, the, oh. the, the Wembley Lotto, though. not Because we had two Lotto yeah. kits, didn't we? Not, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. One with like the the white bits on the on the shoulders almost um but actually yeah, it was like it was like that it was the lotto logo in yellow yes. and white wasn't it on the shoulders yeah so the, it was the, beautiful no 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 i preferred the, the the plain plain claret oh did you yeah i'm gonna have to actually have a look now i preferred the wembley with the 97 yeah the wembley just plain claret. that's that's my favorite. yeah 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 it's the old the old classic i still got it somewhere knocking around in the wardrobe do you remember the orange EBS mobile phone kit the next season? Yes, yeah. That was in the Pro, uh, Wembley programme. That, that, that was the first uh, first kit that I actually had. That away kit. Yeah. It was bought. It was bought two days before Wembley by my dad, and it, and the only reason it was the away one was because they didn't have any home kits left in the shop. Of course, they didn't. The, my other favourite is is a very classic kit, way before any of our time. Um, but it's from the 60s. Um, and um, you, you can buy this, I think, from one of those, you know, replica classic shirt shop things. It's the 1966-67 kit. So white, long-sleeved, white on the sleeve, and then claret body, if you like, and just the, the club logo on the left. Is this the George Best one? Possibly. 66-67. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that that was always a, a favourite of mine as well. And that that's one that I would quite happily go and buy now if they made it available in the club shop. There's an idea for you, Cobblers. I quite like the um the, you know the old this is was going back a while as well, the the white with the two claret stripes across it. And then, mm-hmm. and then we oh, Yeah, the, and then we yeah. replicated or we tried to replicate it, I should say. Uh, we we wore, wore it up at um Liverpool when we beat Liverpool, didn't we? We did, yeah. That's from the seventies. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I quite like that as well. Actually, I thought that was quite nice. Mm. There we we'll go. move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, worst moment as a cobblers fan. Oh, there's so many. There's a lot to choose from. This is from Matt on Twitter, by the way. I, I, I t- I've got lots and lots and lots. 
and lots. It's it's hard to choose one. I'll be honest. It is really hard to choose one. Uh, one that sticks out in my mind is I can't remember what year it was. It was away at Port Vale, and we we went two one up. I think Laurie Dudfield mm. scored, and and we went two one up pretty much in the ninetieth minute. And and we we were fighting relegation, which is no surprise. Uh, we were fighting relegation that season. We went two one up, and everyone was very excited in, in the away end. We were dancing in the in the terrace, and you know everyone was hugging each other and stuff. Port Vale then scored two goals in a minute, and we lost three two. But um, pretty much relegated us. Pretty it? much sent us down. And, and on the way out, there was a lot of locals, shall we say, that weren't Friendly. shy in coming forward. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Surprises me. They're a lovely bunch, usually, aren't they? It's a lovely area. Yeah, lovely area. Love, love that's, that. <laughs> that's one of the one of the memories that I have that stick always sticks in my mind as a oh that was horrible. Uh, one one of mine was on. I wasn't even at a game when this happened. We it was the it was the day we we lost away to Leeds, which sealed our fate for uh, relegation. Yeah. And I was I was mm. supposedly enjoying a holiday in Edinburgh, and I was in Edinburgh Castle at the time. And I was kind of on the, uh, uh, sort of looking out over at the view of the city and dad, my dad sort of texted me that we, that full time had come. And, and I just, I felt really low at that moment. It was, it was horrible. I was meant to be enjoying myself and, and actually I, I, I couldn't because we just got relegated. It was oh, horrible. Um, I was about to say that. I was about to say the exact same that kind of same because we were, I was at that game and sort of we were pushed right into the corner of Edinburgh yeah. Road and a few hundred of us. Um, I don't know if you were there, Neil, but um, it was one of them situations where we were two places above the relegation zone going into it, I think. And we were, for us to go down, it would have taken those other two results to go against us and for us to lose. And we were obviously going to lose the game because Leeds were going up for the playoffs and we were on the back foot straight away and guaranteed lost the game but then the other results started coming in and you get mixed messages everywhere people saying wrong results and all this kind of thing and just that deflation for the whole afternoon just gradually gradually get realizing that it happened and it's just been an awful kind of demise in that league and and just the, the lead fans around us taunting us because they've just gone to the playoffs themselves i think um yes yeah, so that that the build sorry charles that build up to the mixed game as well we only needed one point to stay up and we had yeah, and we exactly. had Milton Keynes at home, didn't we? And uh, I can't remember who else we played. We had three games, basically, or four, maybe even four games to get what we needed, and we didn't do it. It was so frustrating. The only, the other one for me was probably Wembley in 2013. Just just getting... Uh, that, that was no, horrible. No, 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 we're not talking about that. Next no. question. <laughs> uh, not discussing that, Charles. I've blanked it out. Uh, that, that one's done. <laughs> Southend was quite a bad one, actually, as well. In the playoffs, yeah, yeah, way yeah. at Southend because we'd just gone, we'd gone out all day in Southend. I think we watched the cup final, been out drinking all day, and was, we were was it nil nil after the first leg and yeah. really tight, and just for the whole season just to collapse in that afternoon. I think it's probably something to do with the alcohol that I had the whole day, but yeah, it wasn't ideal, was it? Not a good day. Um, let's move on uh, before we get depressed. Um, what do you mean before? We're cobblers fans. Well, but yeah, good point. <laughs> okay, one last question then, Neil. One last question. One that, Build yourselves up for this one. Better okay. be good. This is a good one. I'm a big fan of this question. So this is from he who shall not be named and <sighs> is still still banned 
for how, missing. How, how long is he banned for? How's he getting through? Uh, to be honest, I think uh, I'll come to this after the question. Okay. But there's, some, there's some movement on the ban, I think. Um, if you lost your hands in an accident, would you prefer to have them replaced with monkey paws or cockerel claws? Ooh, monkey paws, definitely. Monkey paws, definitely. Yeah, I think monkey paws you can do more with, can't you? Yeah, opposable thumbs. I, I'd i like a mix. I'd like one monkey paw and one cockerel claw. <laughs> You'd like a mockerel claw. Yeah, yeah, I'd like a mockerel claw if that's possible. Uh, I, I, you need one monkey paw to do the nice stuff and you need <laughs> one cockerel claw to do the nasty stuff. So I'd like a hybrid if possible. Good stuff. Right, let's move on. Go on, talk about his ban. His ban. His ban's lifted on the basis he's brought some light entertainment to the end of the post bag this week. So, man at CNA, back in the game. Hello, I'm the voice of Gaviscon, Max Rushton, and it's all cobblers to me. So this week, the cobblers travel to Hertfordshire to take on Stevenage in League Two. We welcome back Borough fan Matt Farley to give his view on what has been happening at Stevenage since the last time we met in a one-all draw at Sixfields in December. Hi guys, uh, Matt Farley here again. Uh, Stevenage fan, I last did your podcast before uh, that 1-1 draw back at your place in December. Um, yeah, just a quick preview on our point really since that match. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster season for ourselves. Uh, since that match, we've seemed to win a game and then we'll lose the next game, win a game, lose the next game. It's been the story of our last few months, really. Uh, inconsistency's been been a problem, but if we could just put those results together, then obviously it would put us in a much better position, probably in the playoffs. Um, yeah, the Christmas again was a win-loss, win-loss um, Christmas period. Uh, we had a brilliant win at Colchester a couple of weeks after coming to Northampton. Really put us in a good position. It looked like the team were going to go on and kick on. But then obviously, unfortunately... Uh, was followed by a loss at crew. Um, we've had a brilliant, probably a brilliant start to 2019. Uh, we've picked up 13 points out of 24, which is which is really really good. Uh, we won on New Year's against uh, New Year's Day, sorry, against Newport Home one 0 um, And since then, we've had uh, some new players come in. Quite a few new players come in. We've had an unbelievable player in Ilias Chair coming in, which I'll allude to in a little bit about Ilias Chair. Uh, we've had a couple of centre forwards, Callum Dyson, Elijah Adebayo, and also a winger Jordan Gibson. Uh, the great thing is, is we're, we're obviously currently 10th, 48 points. Uh, I have to quickly allude to a game, though, uh, that happened on Saturday with Stevenage. Um, what a game of football. What a game of football. Uh, we played Lincoln away. Uh, we, we played really, really well. One of the best borough performances I've seen in a while, especially after the loss at Tranmere the week before, which was quite disappointing for the people that travelled. Uh, we, we found ourselves 2-0 down, uh, about 10 minutes to go. And uh, the, the man that I mentioned a minute ago earlier, Ilias Chair from QPR, come off the hour, come off the man, I think it was. What a, what a player. Uh, he scored a first goal, brilliant crack. In the game, he hit the bar. Um, he hit the post um, he had another couple of really good chances and uh, when six minutes were put up on, on the end of the game in the 90 minutes uh, he scored an unbelievable goal I do believe he got the goal of the week I think in League 2 uh, in the 94th minute I think it was to, to nick a 2-2 draw and the, and the scenes were just amazing followed with a minute later nearly winning the game with another unbelievable strike that the goalkeeper pulled off a brilliant save for. Uh, it was probably one of the best 10 minutes I've seen in the Football League supporting Stevenage. 
It was an unbelievable end to the game. Uh, an Ilias chair. Wow, what a player. What a talent. I cannot believe we've got a player in Ilias chair. And fortunately, with 13 games to go, it looks really positive uh, in our position. So, yeah, a lot has changed since our last game to, against each other. Sorry. Uh, prediction for Saturday. I'm probably going to upset a few of the Northampton fans here. I might come across quite cocky. I saw a gear that the team went into on Saturday in the last 10 minutes that I haven't seen this Borough side go into all season long. Uh, it was a gear that looked upon to be a, a side in the top three um, of a top League Two quality. If we're able to take all of those things in those last 10 minutes into this game, I think we'll win. Uh, I think we'll win by a few goals. I actually think the score could be 3 or 4-0. Um, I know that sounds quite cocky, but with Ilias Chair playing, uh, the boy on loan from QPR, my God, he's going to frighten a lot of defences. Um, so I'm going to go with a 3-0 Borough win, only on the basis of the quality that I saw in the last 20, 10 minutes at Lincoln on Saturday was was frightening. Um, so yes, but good luck for the game. Um, I hope it's a cracking game of football. And uh, yeah, that's my prediction. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks to Matt Farley there. Um, it would seem that Stevenage have been fairly inconsistent in recent weeks. Um, but obviously Matt feels that one signing does indeed make a season. Um, mm. I don't think we'll forget that name in a hurry, will we, boys? Um, <laughs> what are you expecting to happen this weekend, Danny? It's um, Elias Chair, isn't it? He was talking about, is it from QPR? I think he picked up there. Um, I have seen the goals. They do look quite good. We just need, I think we just need... Ash or Pierre just to sit on him, don't we? <laughs> dear me, Danny, dear me. I tell you what, I am looking forward to seeing Elias's chairs crack. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing that. Apparently he's got a good crack. So um, I I like this Matt guy from Stevenage, by the way. He's nice, isn't he? He's good. He sounds like a great, great guy. I'll tell you what, next season, it, providing Stevenage don't make the playoffs and get promoted and we don't make the playoffs and get promoted... <laughs> um, let's let when we play Stevenage. Let's let's take this Matt guy out for a beer. He sounds like a good guy. Yes, I, I think we should do that. That'd be good. Good idea, Neil. And and he can tell us all about Elias's chairs crack. <laughs> Come on, there, Daddy. What are you thinking for this weekend? There's going to be some sort of scuffle, isn't there? Um, Dino Marmia is that the manager? Mm-hmm. Is uh, facing the touchline ban. He's, did you, I don't know if you've seen it, but he's pegged it halfway across the pitch, celebrating that equaliser on Saturday, and he's got sent off for the second week in a row. So he might not even be on the touchline. So there might not be a scuffle. But did he basically? Um, he's going to wind Curly up. I, I was Paddy. thinking, did he do like a Paolo Di Canio, or was yeah. it more of a Jurgen Klopp? I think it's more a Jurgen Klopp kind of. I don't know if it, actually. I think it was down the touchline. So more of the old uh, like Mourinho did against United Porto. I think, from what I can tell. Um, so if he is on the bench, name that bench, rest in peace. Um, I think he's going to wind Keith Curl up. He certainly seemed to wind Lincoln up with, as Curl did. So they, they might get on, but they might clash. Could be interesting. Keith, Keith will have a plan. He had a plan for the Cowley brothers, didn't he, at Lincoln? Uh, every, every time they stand up, he stands up and moans. So he will do the same with with Dino Marmaria. What's his name? Dino Mar, Mar, Marjorie. Marmaria. Marmaria. <laughs> <laughs> so Stevenage have won two of their last five games um, so in their last five games they, as Matt told us about last weekend's draw away at 
at uh, Lincoln. That was two all. They before that they lost away to Tranmere two nil. Don't quite know how they managed that. Even we beat them at their place. Uh, Yeovil they won one nil at home, and then Forest Green uh, Rovers away they lost two nil. And before that they beat Morecambe two one. So fairly inconsistent, really considering how happy Matt is with the start of 2019 for Stevenage. I know that they're 10th in the league, which is a lot better than we are, but, you know, two out of five games isn't brilliant, is it? Well, I feel like Matt has... I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it as well. But I feel like Matt has been carried away by their last 10 minutes at Lincoln. Um, And they only got a draw at Lincoln, which even we managed. But we haven't got Elias Chair. We haven't, Danny, but we do have Sam Hoskins. (laughs) <laughs> so if we just have a quick quick look at Stevenage's team then, um, they've obviously got ex-cobbler Alex Ravel, who is their joint top goal scorer this season with five goals. Um, that's level with Danny Newton, another striker. Um, five goals isn't a great return, is it really, for a top goal scorer? Hasn't uh, Aaron Pierre got six? I, I believe he has. And he's our centre-back, so what can you say there? But I mean... It's not massive, but I mean, how many goals have they scored this season out of interest? So, 38 goals they've scored, Neil. We've scored 41. So, we've scored a couple more goals than them this season. Um, goal difference is the same, both minus four. Um, they just happen to have not drawn 15 games. <laughs> they, <laughs> they've actually only drawn six games this season. They've won 14, um, which is why they're 10th and we're... We're 16th, I guess. So you'd think on that basis, I know uh, our friend Matt there was predicting a 3-0 victory for, for Stevenage. Uh, I think it might be a little bit closer than that. Yeah, we'll, we'll come on to the predictions in a moment. So just hold your horses a second, Neil. Uh, no. along, with that, <laughs> <laughs> along with Alex Ravel, they've also got returning cobbers Joel Byram and Emmanuel Sanupe, or Sanup, however you want to say his name. Another one of Danny's old favourites. Oh, returning hero. Joel Byram, he's a he's a lovely looking lad, isn't he? Great left foot as well. What a guy. Could do with him back in the team, actually. That question we had earlier about who would we bring back from the last 10 years? No. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. It's pretty much exactly what we've got. Just maybe a bit slower. He, yeah, he's not going to make, he wouldn't make enough of a difference. Think um, of the free no, kick we... routines, boys. We haven't got Alan Neil. We haven't got Sir Alan Neil. Alan of the Nil. What would Alan Nil have named after him, by the way? The scoreboard. Alan, the scoreboard, yeah. yeah. The, the Alan Nil scoreboard. It'd just be nil nil all the time. Right, that's pretty topical considering how our results are going. Yeah. It would just be whenever someone's got nil, it would just be a picture of his face. <laughs> I love Alan Nil. I love Alan Nil as well. Think if Chris Wilder gets the England job, Alan Nil's going to be the England assistant. Oh, think of the free kick routine. Brilliant. Should we be scared of Stevenage? I don't I don't know. I mean, you could say should we have been scared of Crawley? And the answer's no, but we still can't beat them. So uh, I I don't know. I mean the one the one thing I see in our favour is that we're not going for one of those rare double victories. You know, the last two times that we've had a chance to do that, we've we've come up really short, haven't we? Do you mean a six pointer? No, I mean, you know, we'd already been, we beat Colchester at the start of the season, didn't we, away from home, and then got thumped by them 4-0 at, at our place. We oh, beat Crawley in November and then had a bore draw at our place. So we had a one-all draw with Stevenage last time out. So 
you know, there's no pressure on us to go and beat a team we've already beaten this year. No, that's true. I, I think we're. I think we're probably going to approach it similar to how we have done in recent weeks, aren't we? We're probably going to go and try and uh, bore our way to a, a point or, or bore our way to nicking a goal on the break and, and trying to sneak three points. I don't think we're going to suddenly change our approach and, and take the game to, to Stevenage, are we? No, I, I don't think so either. And if we if we take a quick look at uh, the man in the middle, uh, remembering Rob Dunkley here with a bit of ref watch, uh, we've got Lee Swabby or Swabby. How would you say Swaby. it? Swaby. I'd go with Swaby. Okay. I, did, <laughs> I did enjoy your pronunciation, though, of Swabe. 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 I'll have the Swabe for pudding, please. <laughs> so, Lee Swabe. <laughs> I've done it again. <laughs> so, Lemon Swabe. <laughs> so, Lee Swaby, um, he's refereed 20 games in the EFL this year. He's shown 63 yellow cards and only two reds. Um, he's out, He's already actually featured um, in Cobblers games twice this year. Um, we've most recently had him in the 3-0 win over Carlisle United. And before that, in the 3-1 away defeat to Newport County. So, uh, money's on a draw. So four, well, you say we're 4-3 up then. We are 4-3. You are right there, Neil. That's a good so, way of looking at it. I'm confident. That's given me slightly more confidence. Actually, I remember him. I remember the Carlisle game because it was one of the ones we won, obviously, and uh, we scored more than one goal, which was nice. Um, and actually, I, I seem to remember he had a good game that game. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's nothing there either, is there? 20 games, 63 no. yellows, two reds. There's nothing that, that kind of screams out that he's one to be wary of or anything. So, he seems like he's going to be a relatively... We're not going to be there watching him as such for once. Well, hopefully not. Let's get your predictions then. Uh, let's go with uh, Danny first. It's going to be a draw, isn't it? Well, if we're going for record, think... then let's hope so, Danny. Oh, yeah, I'm going for this record. I think Aaron Pierre is going to crunch Elias' chair within the first five minutes. It's going to be taken off, so that's that threat gone. And I think it's going to be one all. Neil? I am going to go nil-nil. Alan nil-nil-nil. Good. Yeah, Alan nil Alan nil uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a two-one win. Ooh, yeah! I'm I'm gonna go for a two-one win just to rub Matt's face in it. Ah, oh, you know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I think that we'll have another kind of performance like we did against Tranmere. I, I think it'll be very back to the wall. But and I'm not suggesting Sam Hoskins is going to get another brace, but. Um, I, I think we'll we'll score two breakaway goals, which will settle the contest, basically, and knock the stuffing out of Stevenage. Um, and we've defended well recently, so uh, I, I think we'll be okay. 2-1 win, and um, I, I think that Jack Bridge will get a goal, and I think the other one will come from, from well, maybe, yeah. Um, the other goal will come from um, Aaron Pierre. From a corner. I have a quick question. When did we last lose a game? <laughs> Not that long ago, is it? Colchester. Colchester, wasn't it? Colchester. So, on that basis, I think, actually, I'm going to amend my prediction. Uh, since we since Colchester, we've not lost. I think we're due a loss. Ooh, but yeah. I'm going to go with Matt. Neil. 3-0, three, three Stevenage. <laughs> That's a dramatic change of the score. I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board with Matt. And that's all we've got time for this week. 
Don't forget to check out the latest Hall of Fame episode with Chris Freestone and subscribe to the podcast to get the latest episodes first. We also now have a website, cobblerstome.com, as we mentioned earlier. We'll see you next week where hopefully we'll have three points to look back on and a Sammy Hoskins hat trick. See you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Suave. Nil. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.